that's what's so important for girls to understand is that we're not the secondary characters. You know, we can all be the stars of our own life. Welcome to Midlife Mixtape, the podcast. I'm Nancy Davis Coe, and we're here to talk about the years between being hip and breaking one. Where do I belong? Tell me why I'm here and what's taking this long. When can I move on? Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com forward slash midlife mixtape. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Again, that's audibletrial.com forward slash midlife mixtape for your free audiobook. Hey everyone, happy Thanksgiving week. I hope you are all fixing for a wonderful meal with people you love and for indigestion with loose pants that love you right back. Remember, if you're looking for the perfect carbo-loading side dish, my grandma's Yorkshire pudding recipe is up on my blog. I talked about it with DJ Misbehavior a few episodes back. She's British, so she knows from a good Yorkshire pud. And it really is the perfect thing for holding up some turkey and gravy. I guarantee that traffic to that post is going to spike again in the next 24 hours because people get panicky. Anyway, just search for Midlife Mixtape Yorkshire Pudding and you'll end up right there. Today's podcast guest is Lynn Johnson. She's an entrepreneur, speaker, girl advocate, and co-founder, CEO of Spotlight Girls, which is a certified B Corp that inspires, educates, and activates girls and women to take center stage. A multimedia platform and summer camp, Spotlight Girls gives girls the skills to step into their light and become the leaders we've all been waiting for. I really love what Lynn is doing to empower girls to find and hold their voices high. So let's pull the curtain up for Lynn. Welcome, Lynn. Thanks, Nancy. I'm so glad to be here. I know how we live in the same city and it took us, I don't know how many emails and calls to finally figure this out, but here we are connected by the wonders of the internet. So I'm glad you're here. And I warned you, we have a strange first question at the Midlife Mixtape podcast, which is, what was the first concert you ever saw and what were the circumstances? I love this question. The first concert I ever saw is actually... So there's two answers to that question. The the headliner for there the concert There are always two answers to that question. <laughs> Go ahead. The headliner for the concert was Luther Vandross, <gasps> who is oh my fabulous, God, my- right? Yes. And so I went with my parents because they wanted to go see Luther Vandross. Now, I was probably 12. And as a 12-year-old person, I didn't really care that I was seeing Luther Vandross, even though it was him in this super intimate space in Boston. I can't remember what theater it was. It was like a theater where you would go see a play. I got to ask a question. If I could take my husband to see a Luther Vandross concert, the first thing I would do is arrange a sitter for my kid. Why did your parents want to bring you to the sexiest singer in the world with them? (laughs) Well, the, oh, so here's the second part of the answer. The opening act was the band DeBarge. I don't know if you remember DeBarge. I love DeBarge. But I loved DeBarge. And so I was going to see DeBarge. And so we basically got a chance to go to the concert together and they got what they wanted and I got what I wanted. That is so sweet. Isn't that awesome? And years later, I was like, oh my God, I went to a Luther Vandross concert. (laughs) (laughs) 
in retrospect, I'm cooler than I even knew. Exactly. And the Very 12 cool. year old me like went home with a DeBarge t-shirt and poster and like was so freaking excited. But then, you know, as I got older, I was like, no, my first concert was Luther Vandross. <laughs> <laughs> so now That's you know the real answer. That is yeah. awesome. All right. So I see from your bio that you and your wife, Allison Kenny, who is a Spotlight Girls co-founder, fell for each other while singing show tunes. So I have to ask, what is your song? Well, we actually, we have a song that we got married to, like our wedding song, but that's not the song we fell in love to. We fell in love. We, our wedding song is, uh, what's it called? What do you call it? Love, L-O-V-E. You know that song from Nat King Cole? L- oh, right. It's the way you look. Yeah, that's our wedding oh, song. Oh, I love that song. Yeah, we fell in love like singing something silly like the the soundtrack to Little Mermaid or something like that. <laughs> well, I hike in the Oakland Hills all the time, so I want to come with you guys sometimes and, you know, just let's let's see what we've got. I can do the whole Sound of Music, every part. Everyone can sing along the Sound of Music no matter what your voice sounds like. That's right. So I'm so excited to learn more about Spotlight Girls. Can you start with that? Can you tell us all about what Spotlight Girls does and represents? Sure. Spotlight Girls is both a program, a summer camp, and a multimedia platform that activates, educates, and inspires girls and women to take center stage in their lives and in their communities. And so what it's, we started with the camps. We started years and years ago with, we had different names at the time, and we've, we've grown a lot over the years. But mm-hmm. we basically have started because Allison and I both came up as theater artists and theater teaching artists, drama teachers. And we actually met teaching summer drama classes a million years ago. And we were always interested in working with kids around using theater to teach really key social emotional skills, as well as leadership skills and really skills to help kids really show up in their communities and in leadership in a really social justice forward way. So that's what we we were always doing that. And we started by teaching and running our own summer camps because that was a great way to make some money. And there was one summer in 2008 where the camp we'd been running for a number of summers which we were running camps for girls and boys. There and these are in summer. Oakland, is that right? Yeah, yes. These are the uh, we are we've been all over the bay over the years, but right now we're in Oakland and Berkeley. And this particular year in uh, 2008 in Oakland, only girls signed up for one of our camps, and that was by accident. And mm-hmm. so because that happened, we were like, okay, let's dive into that. You know, I was a women's studies minor in college. And we were like, let's just, let's go there. Let's explore what it means to be a girl uh, through this work that we do. And we called it Go Girls. And it really just took off from there. And so we stopped doing other things we were doing and we rebranded and we became Spotlight Girls and we became really focused to teaching girls the skills to really love themselves and each other through the arts. So we still do it through theater visual art, music, and media, uh, and filmmaking. And that's what girls in elementary school and middle school do in our programs. And they and we do it in summer. We have summer day camps, after school programs, and other school break camps throughout the year. And what is it about theater and media and performance that makes it such a rich channel for girls to find that sort of power and strength? So first of all, it's a pretty natural thing. I mean, we work with girls as young as 
six. So when girls are looking for something to do out of school time, they really tend to like, they, you know, they tell their parents like, oh, I want to do something artistic, right? It's like a pretty natural form of expression for girls. And it's, and it's pretty easy for girls to connect to that. And so that is up to our advantage. So girls are like, yeah, I want to do this camp. It looks fun. We get to do art. We get to like sing some songs. But then we get to kind of sneak in there stealthily and teach them all these pro-feminist issues. Uh, and, <laughs> and, uh, and, and so, there, so there's a natural connection to it. But there's also... Uh, we have what we call our Go Girls Culture Code, which is our five-point social-emotional curriculum, which is all about like really breaking down the skills that most of us, but that girls need to become like their most peaceful and powerful selves. And we built this culture code through studying a lot of things that came out of the Greater Good Science Center at UC Berkeley. And so it's based on... With Christine Carter, who was a guest of mine early on in the podcast. So if you guys haven't heard the Christine Carter interview... Christine Carter is a good friend of mine, and her work has highly influenced our work. Her first book, Raising Happiness, was a big part of creating our culture code because it really takes the science of you know a meaningful life and breaks it down. And so when I was looking at my work as a drama teacher and thinking about, okay, so what is it that we're doing to help, you know, I'm not going to create a thousand Meryl Streep's, right? Like that's not the point of my program. And I mean, it could be kind of cool, but that's not what, that's not what we're doing. If I'm not preparing girls to become celebrities and superstars, what am I preparing them to do? And I'm, and when you break down what you get to do in theater, it's, it's like a really amazing environment to practice these skills. So you get to, these girls to take on a character, they get to decide who do I want to be? And that's how we start our process. The way we make plays with girls is that they start with who they want to be. We don't put a character on them. Mm -hmm. And so once they decide that they're actually practicing, they're practicing collaborating with other people. They're practicing doing something, maybe doing it badly and trying to do it again, getting feedback, doing it again. So they're practicing putting down that kind of perfectionism and really building mastery. There's all kinds of ways. And they're also, we infuse the culture code into the scripts and stuff. So they literally get to like say these super empowering words and sing these super empowering words and say them over and over and over again because they get to practice them. And then they perform them in front of an audience of people who love them the most, who are clapping and cheering. And so it's it's very affirming um, right. of the the work they've been doing. And you and I are talking in the weeks since the Me Too phenomenon has been rising. And I could not believe how surprised the men in my life were by Me Too. I was like, "What? how do you not know that every single woman has gone through something, has has had an experience or um, had a boss or had a, you know, a, a situation on the street where she's had to face this kind of treatment. And it occurs to me what you're talking about, putting on this character that you want to be. I, I'm thinking of myself in a couple of these situations. It would have been really helpful if I could have said, okay, now I'm going to be warrior woman and shut this shit down. Yes. Um, I mean, you're giving them a skill where they could use that in practical situations for the rest of their lives. Completely. Yeah. Because, you know, our tagline basically is take center stage. And it's, it's about the fact that the stories of women and girls 
are often secondary stories in the media, in the arts. And, you know, these stories are so closeted all the time. And so that's what's so amazing about this Me Too situation is that people are like, wait a second, I have a story and my story matters. And I'm putting it out there front and center. I'm putting it in the spotlight, as it were. I'm putting it center stage because people need to hear it. And that's what's so important for girls to understand is that we're not the secondary characters, you know, we can all be the stars of our own life. And, and that's, and that's all about, you know, learning the skills of, of expressing your full self. And that I think theater is a great tool for that. So maybe instead of creating a thousand Meryl Streep's, you're creating a thousand powerful storytellers, which arguably would be much more valuable anyway. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Spotlight Girls is getting all kinds of positive press. And I know you were the first, the very first recipient of the Force for Good Fund, which is an accelerator focused on women and people of color, entrepreneurs growing best for the world businesses. And you won the Shino's competition last year called The Pitch. Um, I think when I mentioned this in an earlier episode of the podcast, I I called it the Blog Her competition because Shino's bought Blog Her, but it's all it's all tied together. But you basically got up and did a pitch in front of the whole annual Shino's Blog Her conference and won that. So you've raised how much money have you raised for the company in the past year? I've raised about half a million dollars in a little over a year. That is amazing. Amazing. So where do you want Spotlight Girls to go next? And how does this kind of recognition help you get there? Well, you know, like any good social entrepreneur, my goal is to take over the world with our good work and our our, our values. Please do. Please do. We need someone. (laughs) It's like that thing that everyone keeps, that phrase that everyone says now, like now more than ever, it's so important Mm -hmm. for for women and girls to to feel like we can really take over (laughs) this shit for, for real. So anyway, so our big goal is that we are currently working to become a franchiser. And so our Go Girls camp that we've been doing here in the Bay Area for the last 10 years has been, I won't like to say perfected because there's nothing such a thing as perfect, but we've discovered our secret sauce. We know how Go Girls works. It's successful here in the Bay Area. Just in Oakland and Berkeley alone, there are about 400 girls each summer that come through. You know, people come back year after year and um, it turns a profit. So we're ready for other women entrepreneurs and creatives out there uh, in the country to say, oh, I want to do that. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm a girl advocate and I want something, a program that I know is going to work in my town, in my city. So we are preparing to do that. And so the fundraising has allowed us to get prepared for that. And we should be up and running and selling franchises by January of 2018. That's happening. And then we're also really building out our our multimedia platform. So, you know, we're a bunch of artists uh, that started this business. And one thing is that when we, when we, every summer, you know, we try to find books and music and all kinds of things that will inspire our girls, right. That we can bring into our programming. And it's so hard to find Nancy. I have to tell Mm -hmm. you, there are, there are some great, there's some great music out there. Oh my gosh. But all the kind of women's, like all the songs that we think about that are like, women's empowering songs they're like so great but they're not necessarily age appropriate for a seven-year-old right. right? i was just gonna say i love <laughs> kaylani but i would not want to play kaylani for a seven-year-old exactly exactly so and then there's like you know really amazing kids music out there but it's it's also you know we were trying to match like you know like pop hip-hop music that mm-hmm. 
that kids actually will listen to. So we're like, right. how? And, and it was really amazing to not be able to find that. So, so we've been using a lot of the money that we've been raising to actually produce the kind of media that we need our girls to see and read and interact with in our programs. So my wife, Allison Kenny is an author and she writes primarily about girls, girls of color, um, diverse stories of girls. And so she's written um, a couple of original books, uh, local artists, alphabet rockers. Do you know alphabet rockers? Nancy? I don't. It might've, you have teenage kids, right? You have older I do. kids. I do. Yeah. So it might, that might be, but alphabet rockers is a great Oakland-based hip-hop band for kids. They create fantastic music and they are now super dedicated to their music, really raising a, a generation of social justice kids. They've written and produced uh, three songs for us and we're putting out in the world. So that kind of like also kind of creating the media that our girls need to see is also something that we're doing with, with our money. Could be Spotlight Girls Omnimedia. Yeah. <laughs> One day. You, that's One right. Day. Taking over the world, Nancy. You get it. You get it. So all of you who are frothing at the mouths because you want your kids to be able to participate. And if you are in the Bay Area, there is a, a winter break camp coming up. There is. Yeah. Oh, uh, January 2nd, 3rd, 4th and 5th. It's we have a weird uh, winter break this this we year. We do. That, it's late. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Really late. So, will be in uh, in North Oakland those dates. All right, so, so I'll put a happens. link up to that from the show notes. For the rest of you who are not in the Bay Area, let's just keep an eye out for these uh, Spotlight Girl franchises coming out, you know, hopefully in 2018. Hopefully you'll have some options near you. But the question I have for you, Lynn, did you grow up thinking, yes, when I'm you know, the age that you are right now, I'm not asking what it is, but when I'm that age, <laughs> I will be running an advocacy camp, you know, for girls. Or did you have a different vision? And how did you get here? And are you surprised to find yourself here? Mm, yes and no. I feel like when I was much younger, I was really a drama kid. I did theater growing up and I thought I was going to be an actor. Like that's what, I guess that's kind of the only, that's as far as you go as a kid in terms of level mm -hmm. of sophistication. Like I like acting, I'm going to be an actor. And I was pretty committed to that all the way through college. I mean, I went, I went to college to study theater and it was during college that I thought, I don't think I want to do this. I don't, the life of an actor did not feel right to me. I didn't want to Especially as a black woman, I felt like there were so few options uh, for black actors. And especially at that time in the 90s when I was in college. And uh, there was there was just like, I didn't want to go to LA and audition for like some horrible stereotype uh, right. character time after time. And and so I just, I just didn't have it, it in the me. the pre-Shonda uh, days. Exactly right. Exactly. If I was a little bit younger, it might be a different story. And I also am the kind of person that likes to make things happen. So I also didn't feel comfortable kind of waiting around for someone to cast me in something like I wanted to create things and make things happen. So it's not that surprising that I decided to start a business. Uh, but it is a little bit weird that I have a business doing this. I mean, most people, a lot of people think that our business is a nonprofit organization. And it's not because, you know, I came out of the nonprofit youth arts world. And, you know, there's a lot of wonderful nonprofits that do you do arts with kids and empowerment. And it's, it's fabulous. But for me, I got to a place in my life after working in the nonprofit sector for a long time and was like, you know what, 
that's great for other people. But for me, I really want to, to create a business, create something that's going to, you know, build wealth for me and my family. And, and so when I discovered that there was a whole world of social entrepreneurship, where like you could create a business that is also about doing good and you don't have to choose either or I dove into that head on. And that kind of surprises me because I didn't know that existed when I was a kid. <laughs> I didn't know I wanted to own a B Corp that didn't exist back then. So right. um, do you think there's anything easier or harder at being in midlife and wanting to speak up on behalf of people who need help and advocacy and representation. And I ask, I feel like this is a stage of life where some of us are saying, you know what, I've gone, I'm on the other side of the hill now. I'm starting the descent and I want to make sure that I'm spending my time wisely. I I, uh, talked to somebody the other day who said, I wake up every morning and I pray for the wisdom to allocate my energy where I can make a difference, which I thought was such a lovely meditation to start your day because there's so much of our that we leave in places that don't do anything. And I'm talking to you, Facebook app. You know, I mean, if you, you know, I mean, can make a choice about where you're going to put your energy at this phase, I feel like people think about that deliberately. And I'm wondering if, if you see that as well. Oh, c- completely. I have done a lot of therapy in the last couple of years. <laughs> and the therapy has really helped me understand where I want to show up in the world. And it's really one of the things that have come out of therapy for me is a shift in, I think when I was in my 20s and 30s, it was all about like my understanding of leadership was all about making sure everyone else had what they needed. Mm -hmm. And everyone else was, um, you know, it was all about this kind of outward energy, like making sure that like I was there to meet everyone's needs. And it got me to a certain point. But now that I'm in my 40s, it's like, oh, wait, leadership looks like having this vision, like I'm everything that I'm seeing and everything that I believe is this valid story. And, and I have this vision and I get to put my resources behind that vision. And I am so excited about connecting with folks. And, you know, I still love collaborating. I still love partnerships. I still love lifting other people up, but it's like a shift in thinking. It's not about, it's not about like, oh, my vision doesn't matter. I just have to kind of be of service. It's like, I have a vision uh, and that's what I get to drive towards. And then my service comes from that. So that's kind of my midlife shift. That's powerful, though. It's a small shift, but it's really meaningful. It's very meaningful. And also, I'm a, I am I became a mom in my 40s. I'm an old mom, I guess. <laughs> that was another shift for me, because becoming a parent also, as you know, like shifts your priorities. Becoming a parent for the first time in my 40s you get really clear on what your priorities right. are. And so that's another important part of it for me. I, I started going to therapy for the first time at the same time I started, as I became a parent. I guess that makes sense too. Yeah, so. if you've never been to therapy before parenthood, that's the thing that'll drive you there, right? Thank <laughs> yes, God. For sure. And how old is your daughter for now? Sure. Well, my daughter now is nine. So she, we actually, my wife and I adopted her as an older child. So we've only been parents for three years. Does she participate in the camps and stuff? Does she give you really honest feedback that you wish she wouldn't give you? Uh, she, no, she loves, she, she participates oh, cool. and she loves it. She really, oh, which is great. lucky because it makes summer a lot cheaper. luckily she loves it and she's very she's very proud of it she's very proud to be part of the the community and she's really into it and loves all the teachers and that's awesome all right so our last question lynn 
What one piece of advice do you have for people younger than you, or do you wish you could go back and tell yourself? I have been thinking a lot about self-care and what that really means and how, you know, it goes beyond making sure that you take a bubble bath every once in a while, right? It's about like this idea of of radical self-care being the kind of self-care that allows you to not just stay on your own, but to continue being out there and active and effective in the community. Mm -hmm. And and it's about centering yourself as the important actor in that work. And I feel like because I've spent, I spent my 20s and my 30s making it kind of all about other people, I'm just now, just now scratching the surface for myself on what it means to really radically take care of myself in a way that allows me to fully show up as a leader that I am. And I really wish I had known that earlier. So I I would give that advice to myself and to other women in their 20s or 30s. And 40s and 50s and 60s. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Think about what it is. Putting yourself at the center is not a bad thing. Putting yourself at the center is not something that makes you conceited or egotistical. Putting yourself at the center is important. It's going back to the beginning of this interview. Put yourself in the starring role of your own life and give yourself what you need to to be your most effective so that you can show up for other people. And so I feel like it looks different for for everybody, but I really encourage women to to do that as early as possible. So you're not like trying to navigate bad knees and bad hips and self-care, like do self-care while you still feel good. Preserve what you've got when you still got it. Yeah. So, and you're doing a workshop in January that may address some of these kinds of of notions. I am, yeah. It's called Act Now, and it's all about like if I had a quarter for every time a woman told me, "Oh, I wish I could go to Go Girls Camp," uh, I would have a lot of quarters. Um, so this you is, would be um, able to pay the Oakland parking meters <laughs> all over town, all over town. Um, so this is something uh, in an effort to um, support other women, other adult women leaders, to really figure out how do you, how do we do this, right? How do we put ourselves out there? Because now more than ever, we are needed. And I really believe that. So yeah, it's a day long retreat. It's called the Act Now Retreat. And I'm really excited because it's going to end because we're going to be in Sonoma. We're going to end with cheese and wine. And you were, I mean, I know you were supposed to do it in October and it had to get uh, shifted because of the fires, right? Yeah, the partner, Shalo Sophia, who's an artist who runs a space called Cosmic Cowgirls, and she that's where the event will be. And we're like, no, we can't make it happen. The air is too bad here still. And yeah. We're thinking about moving it to Oakland, but we're like, no, let's just wait and keep it in Sonoma and, and, and bless that place with our wonderfulness. When it's time. Absolutely. And, you know, on the way out, stop at a couple of stop at a couple of wineries. Make sure you have your designated driver, of course. But, you know, make exactly. sure you take a couple bottles home. It sounds great. Spotlight Girls Camp for ladies. I love it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's because like what I know about about theater and performance, it's like using those those tactics, those tools, those those ideas to really declare yourself to the world. Like so this could be a way to help folks do some sort of presentation or um, just just feel more confident or or really get up behind what it is I want to say to the world and how can I say it. Well, Lynn Johnson, thank you so much for being on the program today. I love talking with you and 
I will put links to everything we talked about onto the show notes page. And uh, hopefully I'll run into you in Oakland one of these days. Thank you so much for having me. This is a great conversation. All right. We'll talk to you soon. I want to share a little story that happened to me yesterday. I usually try to get in a big hike in the Oakland Hills every weekend. And uh, as I was out on my route yesterday, I passed the sweetest little group of five girls. And they were all about three or four years old. And they had their little tiny backpacks and their little hats. And a couple of them were holding hands. And I overheard two of them planning a play date in very rudimentary terms. It was so sweet. And there were two grown women hiking with them. These children were not feral. They appeared to be, you know, in, in someone's care. Anyway, I I passed them and I turned around and I said, how nice to see a group of young ladies hiking. And the one in the pink pussy hat said, yeah, no boys allowed. And the one holding her hand said, because boys are mean. And the girl holding a stick said, because they think girls are dumb. And the girl with the podcast said to herself, oh my God, these girls are woke AF and they still ride in car seats. Hey, misogynists, we're coming for you. And so are our daughters and our granddaughters. So get ready. Okay, and I hate to be the one to tell you this, but my beloved Aunt Noonie is big into astrology. So I grew up knowing these things. Basically, the entire month of December is Mercury retrograde. So you're supposed to do as much of your holiday shopping in November as you can. Hey, don't judge me. I can't unknow this information. But I do have two ideas to make your shopping easier. One is that Lynn and her wife, Allison, made a pledge to buy 80% or more of their holiday gifts from women and girl-owned small businesses and artists. And from that, they decided to put together a guide called Shop With Her, which is a free holiday shopping guide. They invited women and girl-owned small businesses across the country to submit their information, and they got something like 300 names. I saw it on Facebook where people were tagging their friends to remind them to add their names. So they're putting together a PDF that will be released this week, and I posted a link to the guide in the show notes. So while you're bloating and thinking about shopping, consider the Shop With Her guide as a way to help make sure your money is going to people whose work you support. The other is that I, your trusty podcaster friend, will be doing an event in Oakland on November 21st. So that's the same day that this episode first airs uh, at my little local bookstore, A Great Good Place for Books in the Montclair neighborhood. And it starts at seven o'clock. I'm going to be talking about music books for the music and literature lovers on your gift list. Some of the books are from 2017, but I'm also going back into the archives to some classic books uh, that I think everybody should read. If you've never read Questlove's book, Mo Meta Blues, that's one of my favorite books of all time. And I'll be I'll be flogging that. Of course, a lot of Rob Sheffield titles and one that I'm racing through right now. I've got about it's a 700 page book and I've got about 100 pages to go. So hopefully I'll get that done before Tuesday. Anyway, I'll hope to see you there if you're in the Bay Area. But in case you're not around, I will also post the list of books at midlifemixtape.com sometime Wednesday and uh, you can check it out there. My one plea is that if you shop from my list, please buy those books at your local indie bookstore. It really makes a difference where you put your purchasing dollars. And we need those quirky local retailers. We need that character in our neighborhoods. And remember, that means the tax dollars are staying in your neighborhood too. And if the bookstores don't have the titles on the list of my recommendations, it's not even Thanksgiving. They have plenty of time to order them for you even ahead of Mercury Retrograde. So consider doing it that way, and um, that would make me so happy. I'd be grateful. 
All right, Cool Cats, that's it for me. Join me next time when I chat with my good friend Katrina Elkhorn, who is the author of a book called Maxed Out, American Moms on the Brink. Are you a wee bit stressed with everything you're handling, even if it weren't the holiday season? Did you read that Oprah article on Gen X women getting the shaft? Did that really resonate? Don't worry, Katrina's going to make you feel better. All right, happy Thanksgiving, you guys. And I'll just take a moment here to say thank you one and all to everyone who's listened to the podcast, who's downloaded an episode, who has shared it with a friend. It means so, so much to me that you guys like this. Um, I'm having a blast. I feel like I feel better about being middle-aged just by the fact that I'm doing this show and listening to these smart people talk about what it feels like to them to be in midlife. I just love my Gen X people, and I'm really grateful to you guys. So I will be saying a prayer of thanks to you as I dig into the Yorkshire pudding. All right, you guys, take care. I wanna be, I wanna be free by whatever